A few, a few weeks ago, I began our all-in sermon series by talking about how those two little words, all-in, are like two words of resistance in a culture that is um, where people are really reluctant to commit fully to much of, of anything. For a number of reasons, we are afraid of going all-in with other people, with groups, with organizations, perhaps even with God. Maybe it's a fear of missing out on something else. Maybe it is fear of making the wrong decision. After all, every commitment is a risk. Maybe it's that our lives feel so overbooked, and so even the notion of like being all in with something just sends us over the edge. Maybe it's hard for us to trust. Maybe we've been hurt before when we've gone all in and we don't want to take that chance again. Maybe we don't feel like we have enough whatever to go all in. We don't have enough whatever to go all in. And so the refrain that we keep telling ourselves over and over again is, I just... Or all, all I have is, but friends, the beautiful truth about Jesus is that with him, our, I just have, all I have is, is enough. If we're willing to go all in and offer it up to him, it's enough. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there. That it would grow and transform us, that we might bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter. I'll be reading verses 1 through 14. I invite you to listen carefully for God's word. You can follow along on the, the screens as well. <clears throat> After this, Jesus went across the Galilee Sea, that is the Tiberias Sea. A large crowd followed him because they had seen the miraculous signs that he had done among the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat there with his disciples. It was nearly time for Passover, the Jewish festival. Jesus looked up and saw the large crowd coming toward him. He asked Philip, where will we buy food to feed these people? Jesus said this to test him, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, more than a half year's salary of food. Worth of food wouldn't be enough for each person to have even, even a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, A youth here has five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that for a crowd like this? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass there. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he distributed it to those who were sitting there. He did the same with the fish, each getting as much as they wanted. When they had plenty to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves that had been left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw that he had done a miraculous sign, they said, This is truly the prophet who's coming into the world. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
it was just an ordinary lunch of five loaves and two fish. Surely not enough to feed a crowd. I'm sure his mother had packed that, that same lunch, that meal, many times. Maybe she even stuck a napkin in there with a smiley face on it for him. Perhaps this boy had also shared his lunch before, or probably just with one other person. As he left that morning, he, he couldn't have guessed that he would end up offering his lunch to Jesus. He couldn't have guessed that it would be a part of a miracle feeding over 5,000 people. After all, it was just an ordinary lunch. Five loaves, two fish. Except, except it wasn't so ordinary in the hands of Jesus. When I was an intern at, at UNC Wesley Campus Ministry, I led a team on a mission trip to Miami, Florida to do mission work with some different organizations within the city. And one day we went to work in a community there known as Little Haiti at an urban farm where we met a man named Ray. Now, Ray, you just have to get the image of him, like South Florida tan, shocking white hair, white beard, like flip-flops. That's Ray. And Ray... Um, had moved into this community, and historically, Little Haiti has been a place that struggled with poverty uh, and crime and drug trafficking. And Ray told us how he had felt called to go to move into that neighborhood to buy a house in the heart of Little Haiti with the idea to help people living in poverty, to give them something to be proud of, ownership of within that community that would also provide an alternative economy to the ones that were happening there. All he had was a ordinary backyard, but he started with that, and he offered it up to Jesus, and he cultivated his backyard, and he gradually began to teach people in the community how to farm. Gradually, the, 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 the adjoining properties, people uh, caught wind of what he was doing, and all the properties that bumped up to his backyard, they say, hey, why don't you cultivate our backyards too and help us, and we make this farm even Bigger And so Ray ended up with uh, almost a, a little over an acre of, of farmland behind his home, kind of in the center of this neighborhood. And he continues to, to expand, I'm sure, uh, the farm to uh, adjacent, adjacent lots as people, more and more people begin to buy into his vision. I'm a, I have no idea how many acres it is now, but I, I'm sure what I do know is that God has continued to use this for good. It's just, a, just an ordinary backyard. Except it isn't so ordinary when it's offered up to Jesus. Jesus knows what to do. John says that Jesus already knew what he was going to do when he saw the massive crowd gathering there. The hungry crowd. Which, if you think about it, means that Jesus already knew that he was going to depend upon the willingness of someone to go all in and offer what they had to be used for kingdom purposes. Jesus could have summoned bread from heaven like manna in the wilderness for the Israelites. That's what John's trying to call to mind by referencing specifically that this happened near the time of the Passover. Jesus could have turned stones into bread if he wanted to. That's not what Jesus knew he was going to do. Instead, he waited for a child to be brought to him by his very realist disciples to offer up what he had. He, he waited for someone willing to move past the, I just have 
Offer up what they did have to make the ordinary extraordinary. Nothing is just what it seems when freely given to Jesus. Nothing is ordinary when Jesus takes it and blesses it and breaks it and does something with it. Jesus knew what he was going to do. That doesn't mean the disciples did. Disciples didn't know what to do. Jesus asks them, where will we get food to feed all these people? And Philip says, I'm sure what they were all thinking of. Jesus, look, like this is a lot of people here. There's not nearly enough money to buy food for for people even to have like a little bite, a morsel. The the, The gap between what was needed and what was available was was stark and obvious to them. The math just doesn't add up. The, the resources just don't add up. Philip doesn't know what to do. But praise God for Andrew. Like Andrew really doesn't know what to do either, but he knows enough to bring the boy that just met on the hillside who has a lunch. Hey, maybe, I mean, this is a little bit of food. Maybe Jesus can, can do something with this. So he brings the boy in his small, ordinary lunch of fish and bread to Jesus' attention. It's what's there. And when it's entrusted to Jesus, it is enough. It's more than enough. Jesus has been waiting for this all-in moment, the willingness to offer what seems like an ordinary, rather insignificant thing. He takes that bread, and he takes that fish, and he gives thanks And he distributes to everyone there. Everyone there. And there were leftovers. You know, sometimes we're we're an awful lot like Philip, aren't we? We look at what's needed or what's asked of us. And then we look at what we have and we think, no way. No way. I just have, all I have is Have you ever questioned the significance of what you have to offer? Have you ever waited until you might have something greater to give or or till you could uh, gather more courage or get your act together before doing what you felt called to do or to give? I haven't got the money. I haven't got the time. I haven't got the energy. I haven't got the ability. All I have is I just have I wonder, I wonder, what, why are we so good at looking at our own lives and what God has given us with eyes of scarcity? Are we afraid to offer what we have? Are we scared to offer who we are, who God has wonderfully made us to be? Because we'll... We'll put ourselves out there because it might not be enough, good enough, worth enough, helpful enough, impactful enough. It's just two fish and and five loaves, whatever those might be in our lives. And it keeps us from going all in with God and seeing what amazing work God might do. Maybe the question we should be asking ourselves is not what might happen if I go all in with this, but what might happen if I don't? 
What if the boy had not offered up his lunch? What if Ray had not offered up his backyard? Would the miracle have happened? What if Andrew had not been willing to say, well, it's not much, but it's something. Maybe Jesus can, can use this. I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have the energy, I don't have the ability. All I have is, I just have. And then what happens next is everything. Everything. That's precisely where faith comes in. That's the next step of faith. It's what a part of what it means to go all in. You take the next step of giving to Jesus what you do have. Of your presence, of your time, of your money, of your abilities. You give Jesus your seemingly ordinary, insignificant loaves and fishes. And then Jesus does something amazing with them. What are your loaves and fishes? Have you, will you, like the unnamed child, give them over to Jesus? A few folks in our congregation are part of Northern Wake Optimist Club. There are not many, many members in this club. They'll, they'll tell you that. It's a, small, it's a small group. And it would be very easy for them to say, well, we just, all we, all we have is. And yet they do this amazing project with therapy dolls. This small group of folks get fabric donated. And then they take that fabric to the middle school where students cut out the fabric in the shape of dolls. And then other volunteers sew, those, those, sew that fabric into dolls and they go back to the middle school and they get stuffed with stuffing. And then elementary school students write a card to go with each one of the therapy dolls. And then 400 dolls every year are sent to children who are cancer patients undergoing treatment at Duke and UNC cancer centers. Like one little girl who was scared to death to be pricked with anything, much less get an IV of therapy injected into her. She did not want it. So they pulled out a therapy doll, put the IV in the therapy doll, allowed her to administer fake medicine to the doll. And afterwards, the girl bravely said that she was ready. And just think about that. Just think about that. At each and every small, seemingly ordinary step, someone takes what they have before them and who they are, and they offer it up to Jesus to do something amazing with it. And it ends up touching someone else's life. In fact, 400 lives. All with the loaves and the fishes that are there. And the just is enough. And the just is enough. And none of it's wasted. John tells us that after it was all over, Jesus said, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be wasted. Did you get that? When we offer up with Jesus, when we offer up what we do have, nothing is wasted. That's part of the, the miracle, how Jesus cares for the fragments following the feast. He sees the abundance that, that persists, the feast that remains within the leftovers of what is offered up. When we go all in with Jesus, Jesus handles all of who we are and what we have with care, with intentionality. 
When we give to Jesus our time, our treasure, our, our abilities, our skills, they are not wasted. They are held with care. And they are not ordinary. They are not ordinary. They're sacramental. Sacramental, that's what we call it when the ordinary communicates the divine. It's hard, it's hard not to miss the sacramental nature of that meal. That meal. Just ordinary bread and, and fish communicating God's abundant and divine care and provision. Jesus takes the bread and fish and, did you get that? He gives thanks over them. He distributes them. That, the Greek word for giving thanks is a eucharisto which is where we get the word Eucharist from, another word for Holy Communion. And in communion liturgy, I often say, this is just ordinary bread and ordinary juice, but in and through them we believe we experience God's extraordinary grace. Friends, could it be the same when we offer up the bread and the fish of our lives? Could it actually be sacramental in the ordinariness becoming extraordinariness with God? When we take what we have, when we take what we have, however ordinary, basic, minimal, we think it is, and we go all in with it with Jesus, it becomes extraordinary. It becomes sacramental. It becomes a channel in other words, for God's love and grace in the world. Ready to go all in? Maybe we keep telling ourselves, I, I just have, or all I have is, but friends, the amazing, beautiful truth is that with Jesus, our just is enough. If we're willing to go all in and offer it up to him. And so often we, we feel like we don't know what to do. But the starting point is always to bring what is there to the attention of Jesus. You never know. You never know what he's going to do with it. Other than probably something amazing and beautiful and creative and new. And so we offer what we have. What's there in front of us. And Jesus takes our loaves and fishes. Jesus takes our our money, our ideas, our sense of humor, our time, our energy, our talents, our love, our skill with words, our artistic ability, and whatever we have, whatever we have to offer, and, and he holds it with care before his heavenly Father. And he gives thanks over it with prayer and blessing, and then he does something uh, amazing with it for his kingdom. It's almost like a holy dare. Like, I, I dare you to give me your I just have and see what happens. And just like that boy, when we do go all in with what we have and who we are, it becomes both ours and not ours. Something greater and different than we could have imagined and yet something strangely familiar. Maybe go all in. May we go all in. May we be amazed at what God has done with the bits and the pieces that we dug out of our lives to offer up to Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.